Welcome to the vineyard. Welcome everybody joining us online. Glad to have you as well. Well, this is fun. We actually had to break out the extra chairs. You know, we we are so thankful. Last year we couldn't meet in person, right? We we were online and that was great. But uh we, we were saying last year as we were going through that period of time, it wasn't too long for us, it was only about six weeks, but we would never take meeting for granted again like this, and we don't. I am so thankful that uh, you guys are up and here and blessed, and, uh, you know, we appreciate you, you doing that, and uh, just to celebrate this amazing day and all that it means as we come better to celebrate Easter, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and so we're going to have some fun today. Uh, and in a moment, the, uh, in a moment, after I talk, so 30 minutes or, no, it won't be that long. In about 20 minutes, the team will come back up. We've got another song we're going to sing. But there is something that we're going to do. I just want to get that out of the way. We're going to practice it together. So at the end there, after, in that last song sometime, you'll see Alice and I come back up. And I'm, I'm going to say, he is risen. And you're going to respond, he is risen indeed. And this is happening in churches all over, so it's very cool when we get to do big family things like this. And then I'm going to say it a second time, he is risen. You're going to respond louder, he is risen indeed. I'm going to do it a third time. I'm going to go so loud I'll turn my mic off, but you'll know. And I'm going to say he is risen, and you're going to go just as loud as you can, he is risen indeed, all right? And so, do we need to practice that, or you got it? Okay, good. I just want to make sure you're good, and that you've got it. So that's coming up, and we're excited about that. Let's do a couple of bad jokes. Uh, and then we'll move in because we got to do these. Did you hear about the dentist and the manicurist that got married? Apparently, they fight tooth and nail. <laughs> Speaking of dentists and going to the dentist, I've noticed that sometimes dental hygienists ask silly questions like, when's the last time you flossed? Like, really? You were there. Just rings really true. People people been telling lies to the dental hygienist and they know it. <sighs> Last one. I was watching an Australian cooking show and the audience applauded when the chef made a meringue. I was surprised because Australians usually boo meringue. <laughs> Alice, my love, please come pray for us. Lead us in the reading of the word. I'm just glad he didn't have a prop, you know, a yeah. boomerang prop that he would have hurt someone with. <laughs> let's, let's go right to Father this morning, shall we? Lord, joy comes in the morning, and there is no greater joy than Easter morning. You have risen indeed, and this is the day, Lord, where we celebrate. This is not the day of sorrow. This is the day of joy. And so as we gather here in church this morning and with our families, Father, let us remember what you have done for us, that we are free, that you are our champion, and you win. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's get right to the word. This is the Gospel of John. Will you stand for the reading of the word? Chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. It's a lot, so hang in there with me. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. 
and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. And then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead, and then the disciple went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look in the tomb. She saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying and who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Y'all can be seated. So that's a that's a wonderful passage of scripture, and, and I, I can promise you that around the world today there are many, many sermons being preached out of that passage of Scripture. And there's, there's so many. I, I, as we read it, I start thinking about so many different things. Uh, I'm going to focus in on one thing here in a minute. But, you know, it, and it's a fun passage, too, because John is writing it. Uh, and John is the other disciple that's mentioned in that story. With Peter and the other disciple, it's Peter and John. And he's taking little shots at Peter, which I love uh, when you read it. Like, you know, the one disciple got there way ahead of the other one because Peter was a little chubby and out of shape. And... Uh, but I got right there. And then, and then he's in, and, he, and, and like John says, he figures it out. I, I already knew what was happening. I knew that Jesus had, had, had risen from the dead, like way ahead of everybody else. Peter didn't get it, but I got it right away. And that's how he remembers the story. And there's some, there's some great stuff going on in there uh, that we could look at. But the thing that I want to look at is something that Mary says, and, and it's something that she comes to after a little while of sort of processing the situation. And... She says this phrase, I have seen the Lord. And I think if we can get at what she was really saying there, it captures the, the message of Easter in a really amazing way. So that's what she says after a while. I have seen the Lord. And she does that at the end of that story, verse 18. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Now, that's where she gets to. But when we start the story, you know, she's there. She's been to the tomb. She's gone to tell uh, something, uh, you know, to the disciples something's happened. And then they come back. And then Peter and John go into the tomb. And, and John says he figures it out. But I, and Peter doesn't know what's going on. And they leave. But 
The disciples had been a wreck. Think about how hard these few days have been. And actually this whole last week, after the, the amazing entry that we talked about last week, but then everything turns and they're, they're Jesus, the Messiah, the one who they had been with for so long and who knew he was their friend. And, and they were sure he was about to go in and set everything right and, you know, take care of the Roman situation and everything. And yet, that's not what's happened. And the crowd's turned against him and he's been arrested and he's gone through these mock trials that he's faced. And then he's been, you know, tortured and ridiculed and, and mocked and crucified and died and put into a tomb. And they're, they're just, you need to just get it, that they're overwhelmed with everything that's happening. And this is how they go to the tomb. On that Sunday morning. And, and so, you know, Mary's heartbroken. Uh, and now she thinks that somebody's taken the body. She has no idea what to make of this entire situation. And she's outside the tomb. And she's crying. She's weeping. Because it, it, it's a hard, it, it's amazing the hard situation. It just seemed even harder now. Now they've taken Jesus. What are we going to do? And, and she bends over and she looks into the tomb. And, and we know that she sees a couple of angels there. And things begin to change a little bit. But the next thing that happens is that Jesus is there. And he says, you know, woman, and that's a term of endearment. Don't, it's a, it's a, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? And thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Now, Jesus is there. And Mary sees him, but she doesn't see him. And this is one of three instances in the Gospels where this seems to happen, that you can be looking at the risen Lord and not recognize who he is. It happens again on the little trip with the two disciples in to Emmaus. Uh, they don't recognize Jesus, resurrected Jesus. It happens again with the seven of the disciples who are out fishing. When Jesus uh, is on the shore, they don't recognize him either. So apparently it's possible to be looking at the risen Jesus and yet not see what God has done. And that's really what I want to get at at this point in time. Because I think it's still quite true. I think we can get so caught up in the day-to-day events of our lives. We can be so overwhelmed by the hard things and by our complaints uh, that life isn't going the way that we would like. We can get burdened by our losses and, and we can miss the risen sun as well. And I would say that we actually have missed Jesus over and over again. And even here in this garden on this day... The risen Jesus is right before Mary, and she thinks he's the gardener. Now, she's she's partially right, but it's because she can't see the bigger picture. And, And what she needs to be able to do, what we all need to be able to do, is we need to realize that... That what we're seeing isn't always the bigger picture of what we really need to see. Sometimes the circumstances are, are not really the story. There's a much bigger story going on. And that's what has to happen. And you're going to see how sort of Mary's going to connect that here in a little while. But there's this fascinating things that happens when it comes to gardens and everything is going on. And I want to make sure you connect with the bigger picture of what happens and what we're celebrating and what a big deal this is. We celebrate you know, Jesus every weekend. But on this day in particular, just that you remember that what we're celebrating is that Jesus has resurrected from the dead. He's defeated death. And because of that, everything is different. He's not just a gardener. He's the risen Lord, and that changes everything. And so there's these three gardens that I want to talk about. And what I want you to see in the story is that Jesus has come to set the mess of the fall back to to right. Because everything got messed up 
at the fall. Now, if you wonder what I mean by that, so we know back, and we've had this discussion about the story way back in the beginning in Genesis, God's creating, and what he's creating is a cosmic temple. Uh, And it's a place where heaven and earth meet, and where God and us will dwell together. It's a picture of temple. And, And it's perfect, and it's wonderful, and this exists in a garden called Eden. And what's supposed to happen is that as people, we're going to partner with God in, and we're going to go from the garden and we're going to make the rest of the planet like the Garden of Eden. That's going to be our vocation. And it's going to be really cool because he's going to be with us. And the, the planet's good, but it's not all like Eden. Eden was special, but it, that's God's heart. Then we're going to do that together. He's going to partner with us. So vocationally, in effect... Uh, Adam and Eve, we're going to be gardeners. That's how it sort of started. They were going to go and help with the garden. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So, in effect, he's, he's like the first gardener. Cool job, though. I mean, imagine being a gardener with God by you all the time and hanging out, right? Going to be really, you're going to see some pretty cool stuff. That's the deal. But, you know, God speaks to him in gardener talk, and he says, listen, yes, yeah, all good. Um, stay away from that one tree. As a gardener, he should get that. That tree's not good for you. That's a bad tree. And if you go to that tree, it's going gonna, it's gonna to introduce a, a power into the world that doesn't exist, the power of death. Because your action of doing that sin is going to bring death into the world. And that's what they're told not to do. And, and so re- remember here that the, the part of this vocation as being gardener, gardeners is we're to be fruitful and multiply and we're to subdue the earth. Uh, and, and then what happens is Adam and Eve, they decide that they want from the tree. And they go to the tree, and sin enters the world, and death enters the world, and everything changes. And there's consequences for that. And the consequences directly impact the vocation. Um, we're supposed to be fruitful and multiply, and all of a sudden there's a consequence on Eve about childbearing. It definitely reflects that. And then we're supposed to subdue the earth, and Adam's consequences have to do with his role as gardening and the things that he's supposed to do. And so the, garden, the, the, the consequences look like this to Adam. He said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. So here's these consequences that uh, are now part of the fall that Adam has. And, and so they're, they're, they're judgments for his disobedience and what's taken place. So it's by the sweat of his brow, right? Adam would earn his bread. And also um, the earth would bring forth thorns and thistles. So that's the very first garden. Now let's move up to another garden. We're going to move forward in time to the Garden of Gethsemane plays a big part this week. Jesus is there in the garden. He's taking some of his friends and they're praying because Jesus is about to go to the cross and it's a big deal. And it says in Luke twenty-two forty-four, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Now, we have tried to say like blood was coming. It's not. It's, it's just a descriptive picture of the sweat that's pouring off his brow at this moment. That's what's happening. There's this sweat coming off his brow. And and why is he doing that? Well, see, it's by that sweat that what he's doing is he's earning for us the bread of life. He's redeeming that part of the curse on Adam that it's the whole sweat of the brow thing. Jesus is literally, uh, he's taking that on there in the garden. And then the other curse uh, that the earth would resist his work by thorns and thistles well, there's the, the next part of the story, we understand this. The Romans actually weave a crown for him out of thorns. 
Matthew 27, 29. They twisted together a crown of thorns and they set it on his head and they put a staff in his right hand and they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. So, so they, they take this crown of thorns and they press it down on the very same brow that had just been sweating previously. And you need to see, this is a, an absolute picture of Jesus taking on Adam's consequences from his sin. He's very personally taking on the consequences of what Adam did, of the fall upon himself. Now, jump back to the tomb for a moment. This other garden where we Mary has seen Jesus but not initially recognized him. She thinks he's a gardener. And in, in fact, in some ways, he absolutely is. The gardener. See, in the, in the Bible, there's Adam, and then Jesus is known oftentimes as the second Adam, or the new Adam. And what he's done is he's the new gardener. He's returned the garden to us. He has restored the garden relationship. He's dealt with our sin, and our shame, and our guilt. And, and the picture is there that Adam turned his garden into a grave, but Jesus turns his grave into a garden. And there's this picture you need to see. See, you need to get beyond the, what you see and understand the bigger picture about what this means. And that's uh, what I think what Mary said was so important. She's seen the Lord. And the question is, have you seen him? See, because what you need to see here is how Jesus is setting all the mess that Adam caused back to right. And if he's taking Adam's sin upon himself personally... Don't you think it's very possible that he's doing the same thing for you and me? He's taking our sin and the consequences of our sin on himself at the cross. He's not only redeeming Adam. He's doing so much more than that. He's redeeming us from all our mess as well. He's taking it all upon himself. And that's the connection that needs to happen. See, if you, if you don't connect the bigger story with everything that's going on, you, you might just kind of have this sort of, well, that's kind of Jesus the gardener picture, instead of, that's Jesus, the risen Son of God, who came to give us life and set us free, and who's made everything different for us. He's the one who paid for me. He's the one that took on my mess. He's the one that set everything back right. That's the Jesus that we need to see and understand. That's who's walking with us. That's who's living with us. And that's who we have in our lives. Paul preaches this. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 15, so you get it. The good news. He said, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. The good news, which you received and on which you've taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved, reconnected, reconciled back to the garden relationship. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you believed in vain. You might just see Jesus like a gardener and miss who he really is. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. This was a part of the plan that's for us. We can see it. We can read about it in the Bible that Jesus was coming. And this was why in the whole sort of situation he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Again, there it is. He takes all that sin on Jesus has come. Look, we've been separated from God by our own mess. And we couldn't get back because he's perfect and we're not. So God comes. Jesus, fully God, fully man, arrives on the scene, lives a perfect, sinless life for us, demonstrates what humanity was always intended to be, and then willingly goes to the cross on our behalf where he takes on all of the sin and all of the consequences that 
have happened and that ever will happen all in one time in history. He takes it all on himself where he pays for it by shedding his blood there. He dies. He takes it down with him when he goes. He leaves that mess down there. And then he defeats death, that power that had entered into the fall. He defeats it by rising again and demonstrating, yes, power even over that, the beginning of new creation. And he's made a way for us to be reconciled to God. And then he appears to a lot of people. So, oh, that's just some myth or something. It's not. Don't miss Jesus. He appeared to Cephas and then to the other 12. And then he appeared to more than 500 other brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living at the time of this being written, which 20 years after or so of the cross and resurrection. Though some have fallen asleep. Paul says, look, some of these folks are still alive. You can go ask them. They've seen the resurrected Jesus. Have you? See, I think it's easy sometimes to just kind of put Jesus into a different sort of, yeah, Jesus, but no. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the one who came and defeated death and sin and rose again. He came that we might have life, full and abundant now and forever life with God. He's the one who came to set us free from from bondage to sin and slavery. He's our exodus. He's made all this stuff worked out. And we need to make sure that we connect with that and that we know him. And I want to give you this opportunity today. So in just a minute, I'm going to bring the team back up to do one more song. Before I do that. Not yet, but just a moment. I'm going to ask you for a minute to bow your heads and close your eyes. Not yet. And then I'm going to ask you a question. Have you seen Jesus? Have you made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life? Have you connected the the dots and seen how amazing that is? And and if you haven't, the scripture says that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. That's how we respond to that gospel news, that message that I talked to you about. And I want to make sure on this Easter that everybody's had the opportunity to do that. So in just a moment, when I ask people to bow their heads and close their eyes, I'll also ask you, if you'll pray with me, if you'll raise your hand so I know who you are. Not yet, but in just a moment. And, and I won't keep you that way long, I promise, because I know it can be a little uncomfortable. But I don't want you to miss Jesus. I don't want you to write him off as a gardener. I want you to know him as the risen Lord who's come to change your life forever. So if you would, would you please just bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. And if, and if you could say today, Steve, yes, I, I want to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to connect with him forever. If that's something that you would pray with me today, would you just slip your hand in the air so I can see it? His hand's coming up all over. God bless you guys. Yes. Hallelujah. You can put your hands down. Here's what we're going to do. Families pray together. So why don't everyone, why don't you all repeat this after me? Lord Jesus, please forgive me of all my sin. Come into my heart. Be my Lord, be my Savior, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let me pray for you, and I have to repeat after me. Father, I pray right now for all those who responded. There were many, God, who prayed that prayer today. I pray right now that you would fill them with your love, that you would fill them with your power. Holy Spirit, fill them up to overflowing, that they would know how much you love them. And I pray, God, for all of us, that you would refresh and renew and refill us today, that we can celebrate you on this glorious day, and we can live the resurrection life in a way that makes a difference not only for us, but for the world. You are a good God. Now, there were many who prayed that, and the Bible says that when you pray that, it touches off a party in heaven. The angels rejoice, and I want to rejoice with them, and we're going to do this song. And if you can, you don't have to, but I think it'll be fun if you can. Let's stand up, and let's just sing this one out really loud, all right? It's a great song. You guys ready? Here we go.
coming. Live that resurrected life that we have in Jesus. Spread it everywhere you go. Thanks for being here. The doors will be open this way so you can leave carefully. There's offering boxes around on your way out. Love you guys. Thanks for coming. Jesus. Hallelujah. Also, if you've got kids who are in Sunday school, they're in the back. Just so you know.